Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Middle Class Rockstar. It's been a while. We took the summer off. This is, maybe it's silly to call it the start of season two, but it's the start of the next segment of episodes. We did 21 episodes starting a little over a year ago. They came out every other Thursday, and the format will remain the same. We'll put out episodes every other Thursday. And we've got some cool guests in store for for this segment of episodes. I'm just going to call it a season. I give up. And if there's anyone that you'd like us to get on the show, email me, middleclassrockstar at gmail.com. It's been a, a busy summer for me. I hope it was a fun one for you, filled with lots of shows and activities and good times. My band did our longest tour stretch ever, and it was a lot. We were out for almost four weeks, which is kind of what ever since I started, I was like, I just want to go for for a long time and never come home. Well, we sort of did. Went out for the whole month of July. We played at the Top Hat in Missoula. What a beautiful venue that is. Went up through Great Falls. Did a few nights uh, at Buds on Broadway in Saskatoon, up in Canada. We did a seven-night residency at Blues on White in Edmonton, Alberta. Got to play the Blues Can in Calgary. Cool spot. Uh, we did Salem. Uh, White Eagle in Portland. We did a recording session at the Bat Cave in Boise, one of the nicest home studios I've ever seen and most affordable. Look them up if you're a touring band and you want to do uh, a studio day. It was awesome at the end of our tour. We were so tight, we went and recorded some tracks. We did McCall, Idaho, Moscow, Idaho, Bozeman, Montana, and Centennial, Wyoming, and back home. Lots of cool spots. We also, or I got to, uh, do a solo set opening for the Greyhounds in Prosser, Prosser, Washington, excuse me, at a venue coffee shop listening room called the Bruminati. Really cool room. It fills up for all their shows. Everybody listens. They clap after solos. There's no conversation going on. Really cool spot. That's in Prosser, Washington. And the Greyhounds are good buddies of mine. They were on the very first episode of this podcast. If you want to go back and listen to that, you can hear about their music career. They've been a, a group for about 20 years and also spent several years as uh, as part of Mofro. They were the rhythm section, played keys and guitar in J.J. Gray and Mofro. They've done a lot of things. They've been on a lot of records and... Anthony Farrell, I think, has one of the beastliest left hands I've ever seen on a keyboard. So go check them out. We had a fun show with them in Prosser. My band also found the sweetest Airbnb ever in Prosser, Washington, or outside of Prosser. It was like 58 bucks or something, and we got a whole house on acres of land. There was a river in the backyard. It was uh, in Denver. This this Airbnb cost like 400 bucks. It was crazy. So we did it, and it was it was awesome. We lived in luxury for one night, and then you know we were back back in the car and friends' floors and stuff, which is fun too. Not, don't get me wrong, but it was nice. You know, had a had a nice clean shower, and and it was good. Lots of recording, lots of good stuff, lots of fun. Had a great summer. Now I'm ready to jump back into it. My teaching schedule is filled back up for the fall. The podcast is getting going again, and I'm just, I don't know, doing the thing like everybody else, I suppose. My guest this week, I'm very excited, I've been trying to have him on for a while, is AMAC, or Alex McKenzie Lowe, as his mother likely refers to him. AMAC, first and foremost, fronts the band AMAC in the Height. They are alternative, reggae, rock hip-hop, blends a lot of genres together. And they tour all over the country. Amac was uh, just showing me his Sprinter before we started this interview. He just he found a good deal on a Sprinter in Chicago, so he flew from Denver, picked it up, drove it back straight to a Denver show with his band. And that thing is sweet, let me tell you. So he's got his Sprinter. He's going all over the place. And he's somebody who regularly takes his band out for three and four weeks. They go... They do all over the country, lots of dates. And he books it all himself. He's a he's a true DIY artist who's really doing it, and I admire him a lot for that. 
He also runs a festival, Spread the Word Fest. If you're a Denver artist, you've surely heard of it. If you're outside of Denver, check it out, Spread the Word Fest. He's done it for several years now, and we talk a lot about that in this episode. It's very interesting. I've never had someone on this podcast who runs a music festival. He talks about all that goes into it, from getting the liquor licenses to off making offers to the bands to some of the big bands he's gotten and all kinds of things that go into a festival. And it's been tough. There's been lots of struggles. I remember one year my band played it, and the sound guy didn't show up. It was at a bunch of little venues in town, and the sound guy did not show up. It was sort of a disaster. Amac came in. He had bands all over his back. He had people doing this and that, and he, and he had to stay calm and run the show, and he did. But I remember thinking after that year, this was probably three years ago, that the festival probably wouldn't continue after that. It, but I, but the very next year, AMAC came back bigger and better, and the next year he came back again bigger and better. So he's somebody that really does a lot of things for the community, really has a lot of big goals, and really does everything he can to see them through. And he's somebody, if you're an up-and-coming DIY artist, this is an interview you should absolutely listen to because he really goes into a lot of the things that he does. And he's 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 in his about my age, late 20s, and he's doing all these things in the scene because he doesn't take no for an answer. He makes shit happen. He's a true entrepreneur. Everyone says they're an entrepreneur, but but this guy is actually an entrepreneur. Okay, that's my testimonial for you to listen to the episode and uh, get in touch with with AMAC further. All right, is there anything else I needed to say? Checking down the show notes here, probably. Oh, he also books Moe's Barbecue. He's been doing that for a while, and he talks about that in the episode as well. But that's a venue that a lot of uh, up-and-coming national acts come through. Also a place where a lot of big local bands play. They have great barbecue, they have a bowling alley, and then they have their, their stage that fits about 350. Um, Moe's Barbecue, it's right next door to the Gothic Theater in Inglewood. One of the other big things we talk about, I should mention too, is getting away from the music part of the music business. Along, you know, with doing his festival and all these other things, it's it's easy to get a, to get into the to get sucked into the music business side of things, and he sort of talks about that struggle of making sure to stay creative, and really make sure he's still he's still doing what he got in it for, and I think that's very relatable to to all of us independent artists. Of you find yourself running a festival or booking your band or doing social media or making music videos or learning graphic design for posters and it's really really easy for all that time to get sucked out and not and not find time to get creative and that's why we're all here in the first place but we need to do the business to get our music to get our music heard to get it to a place where we want it to anyway i won't go any more into that this was a long-winded monologue, but uh, AMAC talks about all these things in the episode, and it's really good. It's really insightful. I hope you'll listen. If you like the show, please shoot me an email, middleclassrockstargmail.com, or find me on Facebook or Instagram at Andy Sido on Facebook, Andy Sido Band on Instagram. Get in touch. Say hey. Love to chat with you further. But without further ado right now, here's my interview with AMAC. We're start. I don't know if you know that oh. we're starting the interview. Uh, oh, sorry. We started it, and uh, we're starting off with <coughs> mechanic tips and some burps from Amac. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby. So you you just bought the Sprinter. It's sweet. I love it, man. It's the best investment I've ever made. Really? I think so. Have you taken it on the road yet with the guys? Uh, yeah. We took it up to Steamboat, and I kind of took it on an off-road trail, which I probably shouldn't have done. Hey. You had to take your investment for a test drive. <laughs> yeah, see what she's made of. So 
I you were telling me before this, you had bots set up and everything. You were all over the internet. You were on eBay. You were on CrackerBarrel.com. Whatever Police it was. auctions. Police everything. Auctions, and you were just waiting for a sprinter with your specs and your price range. Not necessarily a sprinter. Also, like a transit. You know, the Ford Transit or the ProMaster. Anything with a high ceiling and extended body. Now, those three, those three uh, vans. If if I didn't know any better. I could identify them all the same, right? They all have the same look. Yeah, the they're height. high ceiling, gotcha. extended body. They look like a tour mobile, so you could do whatever with them. Because I had the intention of converting it with electrical and kitchen and beds and all the whole nine. No kidding. Yeah, so. I remember when, we, when I saw Dick Dale at Moe's, he was driving around with two of those, and he had one just filled with merch. Really? Yeah, that's a buttload of merch, right? Whoa, a Sprinter van filled with merch. Yeah. That's a good look. Yeah. that. You know, maybe that's the next thing for you guys, a second Sprinter. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> that's when we're really crushing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. I'm I'm, uh, I'm glad you I'm glad you got it. That looks like a sweet investment for sure. Heck yeah. I'm stoked. You got to invest in your career, right? You got it. It's like a crucial thing, getting it from A to B comfortably. Y- yep. Yep. I love it. I love it. So what's been... What's been going on? What's been new with in Amax world? Oh man, I finally feel settled from Spread the Word Fest. You know, it's a month or two of just uh, craziness, settling all of that, and getting my life back into regular motion. But now that's done. Been crushing it at Mo's. You know, doing the booking down there. Um, doing a lot of booking for the band. Kind of just getting everything ready for the next season. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well. Maybe we should let's let's backward hop a little bit to how you got into music and in all this, and then I really do want to delve into uh, your tour lifestyle and the band lifestyle, as well as I want to hear all about spread the word fest, so we can help spread it. <laughs> Heck yeah! <laughs> so where'd you grow up? Uh, in the great city of Woodland Park, Colorado. Woodland Home Park, home of the Rockies, baby, down south. Not too far south, uh, right by Pikes Peak. Oh, gotcha. Okay, so you were a Springs boy. Springs boy. I'm a 719er. Still represent that in my... You weren't allowed to have hair like that down there, were you? Uh, I still had it. Even <laughs> in high school, I was a hard rock metal kid. And I was playing drums, just headbanging with about two foot locks, baby. Oh, really? Yeah. That's aw- You did start off as a drummer, right? No. I uh, started off on guitar in like like fifth grade. Okay. Picked up drums in like freshman year uh, high school. Nice. Playing some emo, hardcore bands, screamo bands. I love it. Yeah, I saw you playing drums uh, a couple times with when Dear Me was still doing things. And oh, I was like, yeah. damn, he really plays those drums. <laughs> I have fun, man. That's probably my favorite instrument to play. Not that it's what I'm best at, but when you get, I like playing When you get drums. a chance, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the face you make the whole time, too. Boom, the double kick. You do the double kick? I like kick. the double kick. Oh, yeah. I live for the double kick. You got you to gotta do that. What, what, was <laughs> that? what was the home life like as a kid? Uh, a lot of bike rides into town. You know, I'd either hang out in the woods, chill with my brother, or I'd be like, damn, I want to go hang with my friends. So I'd ride my bike all the way into town because we lived way out in the mountains. So it'd be like a two-hour bike ride into town to go hang out with my friends because my mom would never give me a ride. Really? Nor my dad. Yeah. Oh, they made you. They made. Well, the, probably it was probably a good thing. They made you exercise, right? Yeah, I guess so. And like whenever I had to work, once I started working, you know, at Sonic, held it down there. At Sonic? Yeah, I worked there at high school, and I would literally just bike two hours work, two hours back, just sending it every day. Sending it every day. Sending it before sending it was cool. <laughs> yeah. And then I went on to send it on the pedicab, you know, when I was in college. That's how I paid for my tuition. Are you still pedicabbing? Uh, just on the big money days. So you you still have the pedicab. You store it somewhere. The Rasta cab. Do you, yes. do you have it here? Yeah. Wow. It's in the garage. And you, you use that to pay for your tuition? I used it, yeah. It, yeah. Great for making the money, especially back then before it all got blown up with way too many pedicabbers. But nowadays, I like to throw the pedicab in the van and go like pedicab festivals and stuff. Like I was just at a rise. That was super fun. But that's a whole nother shindig. Now, do you, to pedicab a festival, do you have to talk to the festival or do you just show up? Most of them you have to talk to them, yeah. 
just pay them a fee or something. Yeah. Wow. But t- that's a gold mine still. I don't see a lot of pedicabs around music festivals. <sighs> yeah, you can crush that scene. Especially you get your motor in the pedicab, which some of them have, which I'm going to invest in. You can crush it. Oh, so you don't have to pedal? Makes it a lot easier, and you're a lot faster, and you just don't get tired. So like Coachella, you could just crush all day, every day for like weeks. Wow. And I, I don't want to mention the figures of how much you could make out there, but it's pretty substantial. You're, you're, at, you're at the peak of innovation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a hustler. You're a hustler, man. You're a hustler. I love it. Well, that's really neat. And you're, I've met your brother a couple times. He's like, what, just a couple years younger, right? Yep. Yes, sir. Scotty Mack. Scotty Mack. Yeah. Scotty Mack, what's he up to? Oh, probably smoking weed. <laughs> <laughs> Getting ready to pedicab. That's what he'd say about you, too, right now. Yeah, potentially. <laughs> <laughs> he'd probably say that I'm sending it. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's killer. That's killer. And you went to, you moved up to Denver. Yep, for uh, music. Did you do the, do the dorms or what? I did that at uh, CSU. In Fort Collins, I did the dorms up there for a semester to get the undergrad stuff done. Was partying way too hard, and I was like, I got focus on music, so went straight into the UCD program. Did you know you wanted to be a musician the whole time? I did. Yeah, I, there's just like when I first went to college, all I wanted to do was party. I didn't like really care about a career in music at that point. I was just like, I just want to party. But then took a semester, and I was like, Yeah, I'm going to UCD. And kind of hit the ground running with my yeah. music career. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. And that's prob- probably when we met. You started, you graduated in 2013, right? Uh-huh. So 2010, the spring of that is when I moved yeah. to Denver. Twinsies. Sweet. Boom. Put her there. Nice. And you were in, I'm trying to remember, was Green River Vibe the first thing you formed there? Yeah, with Sir Ted Kleist. Yep. yep. I met him with his broken arm and we started making hot <laughs> hot babies, musical babies. Yeah. Yeah, he was living not too far from here at the time too, if I remember. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yep. He had the, the tallest guitar amp I'd ever seen. I I wanted to go to his house just to look <laughs> at the gu- the tall guitar amp. The TFL. Yep. You know what that stands for? No. Give it to me. The Fender TFL, Fender too fucking loud. I love that. Yeah, how have I not thing. heard that before? It's yeah, yeah. Beautiful. We don't curse on this podcast. Oh no, I'm kidding. You're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. Say say whatever the fuck you want. Um, <laughs> you looked at me for a second, like, can I say it? And I said, the F probably stands. <laughs> uh, shit. Green River vibe. Yeah, good band. That band. I mean, what was your sister band or your brother band? There was another band out there. Eddie Knowles. Might have been Eddie Knowles, but. I was thinking something else, like there was another college band. You guys were playing stuff together. Mm. I could I could have just made that up. I think it was just Green River Vibe and Eddie Knowles, pretty much. You still doing stuff with Eddie Knowles? No, 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 no. That that broke off in interesting ways. Oh, okay, that we can't talk about on the podcast. Uh, I mean, it's kind of amusing. I'm gonna just going to leave it at one member was sleeping with another member's girlfriend, and uh, then one member yeah, broke up the band on Facebook, so it was an interesting departure from ah, the band. Yeah. Okay, okay, so they... <laughs> I gotcha. Stuff and things. Yeah, stop doing bills with Green River Vibe at that point. Oh, uh, with Eddie Knowles. Yeah, I mean, I know Eddie Knowles quit doing bills with you at that point, because... Yeah. yeah, I was playing bass with that band. That was a really oh, so you fun were project. playing with Eddie Knowles also. Yeah, I yeah, see, I see, yeah, I see. yeah. Gotcha. Uh huh. Nice. That was a fun project. I really like slapping a bass with him. Nice, yeah. nice, cool. So Green River vibe happened in college, and that stayed together for a while. When did you? Three or four years. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you so went r- right into AMAC after that, right? Yeah, correct. Everybody just started doing their own solo projects, going their own ways, and then I started AMAC DZ. Kept a few of the members with me, and then that just evolved, you know. From and you there. still have Ted, right? Uh no, we parted ways too. Not yeah, anymore. He, okay. He went. Uh, he joined Nobide. N- and then. Nobide. 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 It's like an electronic DJ kind of live project. Okay. Yeah. Local. He's not, he's not in that band anymore. Yeah, they're local. Okay. So who's who's still? Do you still have anybody in the group that were founding members of Green River with you, or that were in Green River at all? 
No. It's all new personnel. All new personnel at this point. And you're not a Magdeezy anymore either. Yeah, that name just didn't stick very well. It's kind of just awkward. And yeah. A lot of letters and sounds that didn't really mean anything or bring out any emotion in people. Yeah. Yeah. So you changed too? AMAC in the height. AMAC in the yeah, height. Because the height, you know, it lifts you up. It's empowering. It's positive. It kind of just brings you up. It's the idea. I'll tell you what, it's catchy too. I, I had to even think about, I've kept up with all your projects because we've been buddies for almost a decade. But wow. yeah, that's kind of nuts. But I had to even think, I said, well, what was it before AMAC in the height? It was similar. And I'd think about it for a second. Which says something about the new band name. It's much. It's it's a great band name. It's very catchy. Yeah, I, I like it. And you still well. have your name. AMAC is still there. Yeah, well, we figure. Yeah, don't want to lose a bunch of fans and try and keep it somewhat the same because that whole rebranding was a whole process, and we we're just trying to sure not make it too extreme. You know, right, right, a little bit. And what you're called AMAC because you're Alex Mackenzie Lowe. Yeah. Only person that calls me Alex is my mama. Is your mama. Okay, I was going to ask you that. Are, <laughs> are you referred to as AMAC? Pretty much, yeah. I almost yeah. always introduce myself that way, and that's just what everybody calls me. Nice. I didn't even start introducing myself that way. People just called me that, and I was like, all right, fuck it. And that became your thing? That became a thing, yeah. It works, and if you decided to have a career playing baseball or something later, you could still go by AMAC. That kind of works for athletes, too. Oh, yeah, it's a good look. So <laughs> it it's, sounds good. It's a nice ring off the tongue. Yeah, yeah. it's nice. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, how long have you been going out and touring with uh, with this project? And we could go back to DZ because you just changed names. Sure, but. yeah. Uh, Like four years, something like that. Nice. Yeah, since nice. like 2015, roughly. Okay. Yeah, and doing a lot of touring. Where where all do you go? How how many nights of the year are you out with the band? It's cooled off a little bit this year. Uh, I mean, last year we were doing a hundred plus. The year before we were doing almost two hundred shows that year. Um, but this year we're probably a little shy of a hundred. You know, but we'll do a lot of West Coast stuff: California, Arizona, Utah, New Mexico, Montana. Uh, yeah, pretty much anywhere north, south, or west of here. Don't really go east too often. Only Why? Done a couple trips out east. Uh, it just doesn't match our vibe as much, and it's really boring driving out there, and we'd just rather play by the beach, to be honest. Fair enough. No disrespect to Midwesterners. Yeah. By the way. I mean, there's beaches if you go far, far enough. Chicago east. has a beach. Yeah. <laughs> a few of them. Yeah. <laughs> beaches um cool so let's get into let's get into touring a little bit i know there's a lot of folks out there that are musicians that don't tour either because they don't want to or they think it's going to be hard it is but let's go through the process a little bit you're an independent artist you're not on a record label um you're the booking agent you're the manager most of the time right uh, still there's yeah we have an agent that does some non-exclusive stuff for us yeah yeah okay so a little bit of each yeah yeah nice and and talk about the process a little bit of booking or of everything that goes into going on tour from booking it to managing it to let's say we're, let's say we're setting up for a four week run talk us through your process a little bit all right well you should have like a reason for where you're going oh. I got to talk into the mic. Boom. Yeah, baby. Uh, yeah, I should have a reason for wherever you're going. Don't just randomly go. I don't know. It should make sense, and you should have anchor dates, ideally, like big festival or national support or something that kind of anchors the whole tour. You know what I mean? And then do that six to eight months out, and then from there just kind of piece it together, figure out the ideal routing. You know, that's where I have fun. I love routing stuff. I feel like if I wasn't in the music industry, I'd be a travel agent. <laughs> so I'm pretty good at the travel routing thing. Nice. Uh, making things efficient. But yeah, once you got your anchor dates, then just hitting up the spots in between. And yeah, I'll usually just try and nurture any connections I already have, like networking, any friends or promoters I'm friends with or whatever. I'll go that route first, and then I'll go to the cold turkey emailing 
yep. you know, or I'll just send all of our assets, anything that I can help sell us, you know, highlight our Spotify plays and like highlight this many video views and like any kind of selling factors. And, yeah. Uh, just kind of make it quick and easy for them. You know, this is the day we're looking for. This is the band. Make it simple. And then, of course, follow up because most people aren't going to hit you back on the first email. So just follow up. Try and get a phone call if you can. So let's break it down even more for the listener. Just take us through a cold turkey booking email. I mean, what what would you say in it? Go, read it to me. <laughs> you want my direct? And, and, I, and, I, and I under no, no, no. You don't have to be completely direct, but... At what what's your process? I mean, it, do you do two paragraphs, three paragraphs? Where do you put all the goods? It's you like know. one short paragraph and then a line after that. I like because I also book at Moe's, like I said, and I book Spread the Word Fest. And right from the agent side, you don't when you see like two three paragraphs, you're like, no. Sometimes I'll just delete it right away because I don't want to read it. Right. Not even kidding. I know that's kind of like an asshole thing. I've done it. But on like, so I take that on my side when I'm booking, I'm like, make it short and sweet. I'm like, hi, I represent this band from Denver, Colorado that plays this music. We're going to be touring through your area right here and, uh, you know, gauge their interest, gauge their availability, see what dates they have, you know, try and get get the questions going, just a couple questions, you know, and uh, thank them for their time and just give them all the assets really clean, you know? Yeah. I know I noticed I've, since I, I'm booking at a very small, small club, not not anywhere near the size of Moe's. Where are you booking? Oh, just down at Lincoln Station. Oh, yeah, cool. And, and so we just have people in, like, on Saturday nights, and I've noticed even from that, because we get booking emails all the time, I've gotten, just from getting pissed off, at res- at all the emails that come in, I've gotten a lot better at sending them, and I'm starting to get a lot more responses from clubs when I when we've routed a tour and we've never played in X town before. You hitting them all up. I've learned how to format an email uh-huh. just from seeing a bunch of bad emails. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> and you can usually tell a bad act immediately when you look at the email formatting. You know what I mean, like. There's some yep. agencies that I won't mention. You know, I just like look and I'm like, yeah, that that acts worth no tickets. You know, mm-hmm. I can almost tell instantly. Uh, but then the ones that are, you know, from a reputable agency or whatever, it's very short and sweet. It's like I have this act on this date. What's up? Yeah. You know, because the music speaks for itself at the, that point. But and anyways, how often do you take before you follow up? Uh, like a week to two tops. Yeah. Yeah. And then I just kind of like. I have a whole category system in my emails so I can keep track of everything, make sure nothing slips through the radar. Sometimes you'll email people and completely forget about it. So it's good to have an Excel doc, you know, if not just like categories within your email so you can keep track of everything. Yeah. That's important. Organization. Organizing it. That's great. And have you ever gone out on the road when you don't have, you're talking about an anchor date, whether that's national support or a festival, have you ever gone out on the road without that, uh, just hit new markets or is there always, um, we have a festival in West Virginia and the tour is to get there and get back. Uh, the past couple of years, it's all been about anchor dates. Even if it's just like a money anchor date, like, hey, we're making three grand at this spot in one day. Like, there's an anchor right there. Mm-hmm. And then we got national support on this date. Then there's an anchor. As long as there's like a couple of those, that gives a reason for the tour. Or if you're like supporting an album. But yeah, when we started touring, it was just like, let's get out there and like see how our music lands and have some fun and like get a gig wherever we can. But I think the more strategy you have with your anchor dates the more successful the tour you have so the so your advice to a, a young musician would be book an anchor date and worry and then do the rest yeah unless you're just dying to get out there and see what touring is like and like probably take a big financial loss or whatever you know if you yeah. just want to get out there I've done that's it. a good way yeah. to learn yeah that's a great way to learn yeah big financial loss is a good way to learn <laughs> <laughs> i've had yeah not with touring other endeavors in my life had some gnarly financial losses <laughs> i swear the word fest so uh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah which we'll get which i think we should get into in just a second it's um, okay. that like i I want to talk to you about that a lot and you've been doing a lot of dates though and you've just been kind of going for it as an independent artist and that's really cool do you find that every time you hit a market when you go back that you see more people or do you have some markets where 
it's all over the place where you might have 50 one night and then and then four and then 60 are are you i feel like I, whenever you talk to a band who's headlining 500 to 1000 cap rooms around the country they say well the first time there was three people and the second time there was eight and the third time there was 15 i don't know that that's necessarily always true I, have you found it a zigzag or are you guys pretty much on an upward slope everywhere uh, not an upward slope everywhere by any means. You got to stay relevant. You know, if you're not hitting the market like two, three times a year, then yeah, you're going to go back down. So it's all about like staying consistent, coming back there. And when you play the shows, just like talking to your fans and being genuine and like getting them on your mailing list and like being at the merch table when you're not doing all that proactive stuff to like really actively engage with new fans, then no, you shouldn't expect to see it increase in your numbers in the yeah. market. And that's not how it works. It does work when you're like genuine and you're really getting new fans that you like get their name and they like connect with you. They're going to come back and that does grow and they do tell their friends. So I think it depends on how genuine you're being and how much time and energy you take at those shows aside from your show. I love a lot that. of musicians will just play the show and then they check out and then they expect to play for twice the people next time. It's like, no, especially when you're independent, like you got to get out there and talk to people. Yeah. And sometimes that's not what you want to do. You sure. want to like be hanging with the girl backstage or you want to go get some shots with your boys across the street or whatever. But no, it takes some discipline sometimes to be like, nope, I just got done with the set. I want to chill, but I'm going to go hang out with fans and like go meet some people. Yeah. That's great. Even when you're exhausted. Yeah. You don't want to do that. Yeah. And now you, you are someone who really is a hustler and really goes and gets things and 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 does you know, lots of endeavors. And and one that I wanted to talk about is your music festival. I know every young band wants to get into a big music festival or any music festival. That's a big thing everyone talks about, is let's get some festivals. Well you just went and created your own damn festival. <laughs> you kind of beat the system a little bit. Yeah, everybody, everybody was trying to climb up the wall, and it's like you took a helicopter and landed on top of the wall. <laughs> yeah, uh, not easy. Like yeah. it's very hard to get to that position for sure. It's just uh, yeah, built over seven years. Started out just at Jay Bianchi's spot, you know, Kyoto's back in the day. How old were you the first spread the word fest? It was uh, senior year uh, college. So I was like uh, 23. Wow. Or is that right? No. No, that couldn't be right. 22, maybe? Let's see. So I'm 28 now. I was 21. 22. Something like that. In your early 20s. And you and you decided to create a music festival. And it was very small scale the first year or two, right? It was just at... Quixote's. Just the Quixote's. Yeah, three stages and uh, probably Oh, this was bands. back before they took Benders. Uh-huh. This then... is back at the 23rd in Lawrence. Yeah. St- I love that spot. That was the best. Was so what, do they, what does that spot do anymore? I loved playing there. It's a parking lot, I believe. Oh, no. I know, yeah. Ah, bummer. I liked that spot a lot. They paid paradise, put up a parking lot. Yeah. I always thought it was put up a pocket knife when I was a kid. <laughs> put up a pocket knife. Um, so, so yeah, th- explain what happened the first year or two. How did it get started? What'd you do? It was just natural. I just wanted to like get homies on board and like have a shindig. I loved Kyoto, so I was literally just doing it for fun, bring everybody together, learning a little bit about the business. I thought booking was cool, so it was just a ton of learning and uh, actually made money those years. So that was pretty tight. On a, on a very small scale, it's probably easier to make money than when you tried to expand it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Tenfold. Yeah. Like those, when I was doing it then, it was like door splits, you know, everybody get paid off tickets they sell. It was like very fair for everybody involved and it was very, very low risk for me. I, I think see. like I maybe risked the first year like $1,000. That you invested into... Just, uh, yeah, booking people, you know, some guarantees, marketing, regular. To get a couple uh, headliners kind of thing? Not even, yeah, I, headliners, you know. Yeah. I pay, like, I think my talent budget is, like, four or $500 the first year. Wow. It's, like, nothing. And then, like, a few hundred for marketing. It was literally, like. For the whole thing. For the whole thing. Yeah, it's very low budget. Wow. Even the second year, maybe, like, two or three grand. No kidding. And then just exponentially from there became bigger and bigger risks. What was it after year two that 
made you want to take that leap of faith on year three and really do something? I was just growing. I was learning. Oh, damn. Metal just fell out of my Yeah, that happened to me uh, on my first few <laughs> sips of the beer. So, <laughs> uh, Yeah, just growing and learning. I just wanted to take it to the next level, you know, the natural inclination. If you want to keep it going, you don't want it to get smaller or stay the same. You want to keep growing each year. So third year, was still at Coyotes, but just a bigger lineup. There's like 15 bands that year. So the first three were at Coyotes. Did you have a big headliner the third year? Uh, at the time, yeah, Jaden Carlson band. She oh, was cool. like kind of crushing it at the time. She was like 14, and yeah. so it was yeah. pretty good look for a headliner there for the third year. So, uh, yeah, and then James and the Devil. They play. I don't know if you remember those guys. Yeah. They're really awesome. They're not doing things anymore, I don't think. No. Unfortunately, the front man passed away. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. That's just too bad. Yeah. Sorry to hear that. It's all good. But, um, yeah, third year, that was good. And then uh, fourth year, still just really stayed local the first four years. Wow. No nationals. Yeah. Um, fourth year is there. The fourth year is when I started going three days because I wanted to do multiple days and then I included a Boulder venue. So just keep branching out, you know, new venues, new acts. What uh, was the Boulder venue? Uh, Owsley's. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool patio out there. Also two stages. Cool. And, uh, yeah, the goal is just to reach out and get all the Colorado bands. It's always been a Colorado festival, just meant to bring out the local scene, yeah. help however I can, get people moving and doing the things. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And, and then, then the fifth year, it got crazy. It I started getting crazy. I think I played the fifth year. Yeah. I think you did, too. Or the fourth year. One of them. The fifth year. Yeah. yeah. That was crazy. That was a lot. Yeah. yeah there's I, like a bunch of venues. There's Mercury Cafe, Tony P's, Pearls, Mile High Spirits, Cervantes, Barrels Beer Garden. It was pretty crazy. There was So there was music going on at venues all over town. I think we played at um, uh, 22nd in California. I'm trying Mercury to, Cafe. Mercury Cafe. Thank mm -hmm. you. Played at the Mercury Cafe. And you were there. Um, and I remember, oh, you were there because the sound guy didn't show up or something. And a volunteer from one of the other bands who was from out of town, he's like, I'll do it. I'll run sound for everybody. And I remember it, it was tough that night. And this guy was doing his very best job. You know, he was doing everything he could, but just had the world stacked against him sort of. And uh, you had bad luck that year, unfortunately, because usually the production's pretty smooth. But yeah, this guy just bailed out completely on a night shift and put us in a horrible position. That sucked. And I, I remember it was tough. And I even remember saying, "Hey, just keep <laughs> keep our ticket sales." Like, I you seemed very very stressed out that night. And I remember you even saying to me, "You're like, hey, man, I don't know if I'm gonna do this again next year." <laughs> I remember hearing that. And, and and man, I I would not have been half as collected as you were in that situation but i could tell that it, you were flustered i always am like festival weekend yeah yeah so every so, the past few years it's really really intense it, well in in just i i remember you saying like yeah this might be it but then a couple months later i saw you're like <laughs> we're doing it again next year baby <laughs> what the hell were you thinking when why didn't you give up on year five what made you what made you go back for it on year six and get the fairgrounds and everything? Um, well, six where we did, yeah, the Fox Street compound. Yeah. Um, I guess I found a good partnership, you know, and uh, found some more people to invest in it, and it had grown. And I don't know, it's just very tempting to, like, hop in it again and be like, oh, I, I need that win, you know? I got this. I want to be profitable i want a ton of people to come it's just like i really 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 wanted to see it through did you lose money year four and year five not year four i made money the first four you lost big year five uh not like yeah i lost my year five not super big but you lost you're in the red a little bit so yeah you, you could have like, called it, it quits like right this, there and then it went, went down negative way negative. down 
<laughs> so so year five, you're in the hole, and you and and they always tell you to just take your chips and and leave. But you <laughs> sat back down at the table. Oh yeah. So then what happened? <laughs> I'm in, baby. I'm in. Well, it. I had a really good game plan. Okay. Yeah, a great game plan. I was putting it all at one spot, Fox Street Compound. And it was great, you know, three days there. I didn't have to move the stages. Everything was set up. Was that better than all over town in terms of continuity and Mm -hmm. community? But it was also the first year where I went, like, full-on outdoor. Yeah. Because before that, I would just hit up all these indoor venues, be like, y'all keep the bar, you know, just give me your ticket sales. Cool. But then started going outdoor. That was a whole different monster. Because that's when you got to bring in stages. You got to bring in generators, porta potties, fencing, security, police, the bars. Like the na- the list just gets insane at that point when you go all outdoors. Wow. But, you know, you also get the bar at that point. So the idea is to have the bar cover all those costs. And how does the bar work for you? Did you hit up. Uh, say Breckenridge Brewery and say, hey, sponsorship, you give us a few kegs and then we'll hang up your banner and then you were able to keep the keg money kind of thing? Oh, uh, it's a little more extensive than that. You try and get cash down, you know, or they put down like five or ten grand and then you buy the beer back from them and kegs they sell. And then you get the nonprofit license and set up the bars and all that and you keep all your bar sales. You usually pay, pay the nonprofit, you know. It's like a, it's a weird way that it works with the nonprofits. Pretty much they get all the money, but then they pay you for advertising. Oh, I see. It's a weird system. But you have to go through a nonprofit. You can't get a liquor license without one. On an outdoor? On a special event, yeah. Do you have to go through a nonprofit to get a liquor license? Mm-hmm. What for a special your, event, what yeah. What was your nonprofit? Uh, it was Spin Enterprises. Cool. Yeah. So you could choose anyone, you know? They, anything that benefits whatever you this one is about music for kids you know getting them instruments and whatnot oh nice so that's a good might one as well do a cool one yeah I use a nonprofit. yeah did that work well did you guys partner up well yeah definitely nice easy and it's a win-win did you so you're six still in the hole coming back out of it no it just got deeper it got deeper yeah uh serious miscommunication on the deal apparently uh so lesson learned always read through your contracts very 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 thoroughly and uh have you ever had a lawyer read through the fine print uh never hired a lawyer for spread the word fest no hustling baby <laughs> so then year seven just happened back in in may right yeah end of april, end of april beginning of may yeah it's a risky time for an outdoor festival too yeah, it's always been in May. It's very risky, for sure. We got not so bad. It, the weather could have been worse, you know, but it wasn't great either. So, and this year, yeah, massive, massive risk. Did you Talking see the about light? Talking like a quarter of a million dollars between the three days. Are you serious? Like, and you funded? I mean, you, you were the no, one who went like out and got the funding. with a team, you know, yeah. like of, you know, co-promoters helping me out with everything, investors, Wow. But yeah, I literally risked all of my money. It was completely tied in WordPress. Every single dollar. So if everything, everything of yours you put into the festival, why? Every dollar. Why? Uh, (laughs) Because I'm kind of crazy, I guess. (laughs) Because you believe. Yeah. I believe in the music and I believe that I, I, I had an incredible plan and the lineup was amazing. It's just like when you start crunching the numbers, it's really hard to break even off festival, even after it's uh, established, you know. And I was working with the city this year, which didn't necessarily help me because they took like a ton of fees, and so, you know, at the Coliseum. They, they just took a ton. You did it all at the Same Denver Coliseum. Same with and like, what's yeah. up? You did it all at the Denver Coliseum. Saturday was at the Coliseum. Wow. Friday was at Cervantes, three stages. Saturday was at the Coliseum, three stages, all outdoors. Sunday was at Levitt Pavilion, two stages. Wow. Only time they've done two stages at Levitt. No kidding. Cool. Let's spread the word fast. Who are your idea, headliners baby. this year? Uh, Boombox. So Boombox has done Red Rocks past six years, so I was able to steal them away from AG. Score. And then uh, <laughs> Carl Denson's Tiny Universe. Yeah, cool. Uh, they're great. Uh 
We did like a huge family band with members of String Cheese and Sun Squabby and Thievery Corporation and Pretty Lights Live Band is epic. Were you in that too? No. No, I just wanted them to do their thing. It's like an all-star group. I just wanted yep. them to rock. They did it last year, too, but that was incredible. Uh, the Magic Beans, uh, Wookie Foot, my favorite band. That was an honor to get my favorite band to play. Wow. Got yes. to crowd surf for the first time. That's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Did could, You guys played right before them, right? Uh-huh. Nice. Yeah, that's every year I just put us in the sweet spots. Well, yeah. You gotta. I mean, you know, how much work and, and investment you put into it, you deserve the the best slot on the bill. Yeah, there's some perks to it, you know. Yeah. I don't, I'm not really, I don't negotiate on billing when it comes to my band on my festival. Yeah. Even though agents will be like, no, your band's not going above my, I'm like, sorry, it's, it's not really negotiable, I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Well, and if they still want to, has anybody ever not done the festival for that reason? No. Yeah. Not a single person. They all understand. They're the all the talk. Day. At the end of the day, they all understand. <laughs> They're like, yeah, this guy is like risking everything and all of his time for this kind of deserves the spot for his band. Yeah. Absolutely. That's yeah. cool. That's cool getting getting that support slot. So how did it do? How did it do this past year, year seven? Uh, still lost money. Still lost money. But it was like more people investing in it, you know, so it didn't hurt as hard as it could have, you know, when you split the risk up. Where are you at now? Or is year eight inevitable? Or are you like, yeah, baby, we're doing it again? Um, No. No. It's uh, not inevitable. It's in the works right now. If I get the right deal, you know, I'm trying to partnership partner up with ag and some other people and if all that works out properly then yeah it'll happen but if it's another thing where i'm risking all of my money again i'm probably not gonna do it i've, I've just kind of learned over the years like i've learned a ton from the festival i've got a ton of experience from it ton of connections and right now it's kind of at the point where i feel like i need to invest my time back into music because it like takes away from my musicianship yes kind of sucks me dry to be honest in the months leading up to it sure so i'm just trying to get back to why i started this whole thing you know because the business you get sucked into that and it's very intense and kind of just like dirty mm -hmm. when you're throwing a festival you know everybody's out for themselves at the end of the day everybody's just trying to get paid regardless of if you're going to lose a ton of money so it's kind of like a heartless business and so i don't know it's kind of rubbing me the wrong way this last year just a ton of stress so i don't know well and and, and how do you find that balance or or have you between the business doing all the business things and doing all the creative things i mean because you're, you're booking you're managing you're doing a, a full-time job with your band then you're running a large music festival that's taking bands from red rocks okay so i know you know and you just gave us a hint of that but we know there's some serious cash going into the festival um with investors and stuff that's another full-time job man Moe's like that's my main job and you're working at, at Moe's barbecue doing sound and booking bands that's another full-time job you keep busy do you still find time to get creative are you trying to, yeah no not right now no it's sad like now now that my that spread the words checked out and like my life is back in like cruising mode my finances are balanced again. Uh, yeah, I'm finding more time to get creative, which is what I really enjoy. But then it's like, okay, this is when you start playing for Spread the Word next year. You ready to give that up now? <laughs> it's like, no. I was just starting to enjoy my free time and my creative time. Yeah. So, yeah, I can't say definitively where it's going to happen next year or not. But it might. It might. Knowing you, I think you're going to find a way to make it happen. <laughs> yeah. But we'll see, and we'll see. Everyone, I'm sure, supports your decision either way, and 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 you've done a lot of good stuff for the community and call it, you know, for the music scene here in Denver. And yeah, the festival's a cool thing, and everybody People knows about it. People love it. it. Everybody has a blast every year. So at a certain point, you can't put a price tag on it. When you see everybody having a blast, you know, Fun people time. tell me from four years ago, be like, "Oh yeah, I went four years ago. It was incredible." You know, that kind of shit doesn't matter if I lose money or not. Like that's my way of paying it forward in my mind, leaving my stamp on society or whatever. The, putting my piece forward. And who knows? Maybe one year you'll you'll end up with way more people than you bargained for, like a Woodstock sort of thing. 
<laughs> yeah, I just watched this documentary on Woodstock the other night. What was the just, guy's name? Michael something? Yeah, and they're like anticipating like 50,000, and then like there's like four or 500,000 people there, and they don't even have the fencing up. They don't even have the fe- well, and the and guy they had to turn it, it into a free show, a free festival. Well, and the guy running, it was just like, it'll be cool, man. No worries. <laughs> that is a special thing that couldn't be replicated, couldn't be planned. and Yeah. There's always things like that that happen at festivals with good community, good people, and all that. So, I love festivals. They're really interesting. So, you know, hopefully my band will just be crushing festivals every weekend, and then I won't misspread the word if I decide not to do decide it. Decide not to do <laughs> it. Well, thanks so much for coming on, man. Is there anything else you want to mention? Any any uh, questions, concerns, hate mail? Uh, well, I want to say you're a badass, Andy. I respect oh, you. Thank you, and buddy. You, you definitely keep on the grind. You got mad potential. Um, aside from that, yeah, come check out your boys, Amac in the Heights. Amac in the Heights. Coming to you live and direct. We got a new EP that's coming out. It's going to be releasing that in February. There's going to be some singles in the meantime. You're going to catch us in a city near you. We're playing Compound Sounds first weekend of September. Then we're at Cervantes Ballroom September 14th with The Movement. And then we're touring out to a festival in Durango called Roots Rocks Equinox. So, yeah, just stay tuned with the band. And uh, that's where my heart's going to be at moving forward, you know. And if you want to come play Moe's, haul at your boy. Alex at Moe's Denver. We got a brand new lighting setup down there. It's sweet. It's badass lighting down there. The sound system crushes 350 capacity. Your boy A Max going to take care of you on the promotion end. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's true. That was a great elevator pitch there, too. You got it all in. Oh, yeah. Well, also, if you got a wedding or you got a special event you need some sound for, I got a sound system. It's all pimped out. I'm going to take really good care of you. So holla at your boy, Amac. Boom. He's the <laughs> he's the meanest hustler in Denver, baby. Thanks for, thanks for coming on, brother. Of course. My pleasure. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks for listening to Middle Class Rockstar. And thanks to our sponsor, PQ Mastering. Patrick at PQ Mastering puts the finishing touches on this podcast. You can go to pqmastering.com to get that done to your podcast or music or whatever. He does it all. Also, if you like what you're hearing, go rate and review and all that good stuff wherever you listen to your podcast. Hope to see you for the next episode. Thanks for listening. Bye.